Welcome to the weekly message from Rayma Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rayma.org.au forward slash media. Praise God. Well, we're going to pick right back up on... Um on this uh, series that we're in, and Tony's called this the heavenly perspective. Heaven has a way of thinking and a way of doing that the Bible says are higher than the earth's, higher than ours, as far as the heavens are above the earth. Heavenly perspective. Uh, You can't live any higher than your perspective. And so that's why we're diving in just into some areas of a heavenly perspective because when we think like and we embrace what God says and how God uh, does things, it will lift the way that we live. It will uh, change the way that we interact with people. And so today we're going to look at, at another heaven's perspective. And this one we're calling Living for the Likes. Living for the likes. Now, this symbol here is uh, this icon here for Facebook uh, users is is very common. It's a way that you are able to gauge the things that are posted, whether they're pictures or comments or or uh, other kinds of links, whatever. You're able to gauge the popularity of that by how many likes you get. So we're calling this today living for the likes, living for the likes. Now, before we jump into to what we have to unpack on this today, uh, we want to talk about the unconditional love of God, which we, we, I reckon we talk about it every single week because it's so big. It's so significant. God is love. And the kind of love that God is, is unconditional. Nothing we do uh, causes it to be greater. None of, none of the nice things that we do makes God love us more, love us better. Cannot. Neither do the things that we do wrong make us love, make him love us less. He can't love any differently than just all out. Aren't you thankful for his unconditional love? There's some days that uh, maybe you merit somebody's love or there may be days that some people change the way that they feel about you based upon your actions. And the deal is, is why we, we really grill on and go over and over and over about the love of God is because sometimes we begin to think about God and judge God based upon our own experience with other people and even our own experience, the way we love. What we must know, need to know, always be refreshed on in in this fact that God's love is always there. Romans the 8th chapter says, who can separate us from the love of God? And then it lists a heap of things. Basically, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Are you thankful for God's love? Amen. We're just every day thankful for the love of God. Today, we're not talking about the unconditional love of God in this perspective. We're going to talk about something different, and that is God's pleasure. That God can be more or less pleased. Now again, 
you cannot alter his love. But God can be more or less pleased. And so we're going to dive into this from the word of God. Hebrews, the second chapter and verse seven, we're not going to look at it, but you can write it if you're taking notes talks about when God created uh, man in the very beginning, that he clothed him or crowned him with glory and honor. The crowning that God crowned man with was not like, a, like the queen's uh, crown. It was uh, something that absolutely clothed the whole person like an aura and the whole person uh, of, of God's man was crowned with glory and honor Romans goes on to tell us that when man sinned he fell from that glory he fell from that honor and basically man found himself with no clothes they found him, he found himself naked because that was what man was clothed with was the glory and the honor of God. Well, ever since that time then, because God made man to be clothed with honor, there's been this craving for honor and a looking for honor, looking for the likes. And so, uh, man has done different things to, to get liked, to be appreciated, to have favor, to get honor. You know, there's a pursuit of it, a craving for it. So, depending on the crowd that you're with, uh, there are people that if you do things that, uh, you know, are bad, you can get applauded. I was, I grew up with, uh, you know, I remember being in the, like the fifth and the sixth grade, just some really naughty, they're like a, in the movies, the snotty girls in movies. They're just all mean and, you know, to other people. Yeah, well, I ran with that little group. They were they just, if you did bad things, they'd applaud you. If you hurt somebody, they'd applaud you. And so they'd give you a like if you did bad things. And so some people have developed uh, really a, a, a life ambition of doing bad things because they'd be applauded by a certain group of people. They'd be liked and they crave that liking. Then, you know, then there's doing good. There's a whole other group of people that if you do good, you get liked. And you hear, boy, well done, good on you. You know, different things you get alike from another group of people. So, yeah, there, there is different ways that we satisfy this craving for liking. But today we're going to look at something important. Proverbs, the 29th chapter, says something about the fear of man. And this fear is not the scared kind of fear. It's the over-obsessing about what other people think. And the fearing of people is a dangerous trap. And so it can lead you into a place that is not good, always fearing what people think. Jesus, when he came to this earth as the son of God, 
he modeled for then future children of God, which, praise the Lord, who in here is a child of God? <laughs> so when we look at Jesus' life, we see what he did, but we also look at him as a model. We look at his life of this is the way children of God act in this kind of circumstance or in this kind of situation. Today we're going to look at how Jesus modeled living for the likes. And so uh, we're going to look into John, the fifth chapter. We're going to look at several verses of scripture in the book of John right on this subject. And honestly, uh, these verses of scripture are pretty strong because we see very clearly exactly what Jesus, um, how Jesus lived for the likes. All right. I receive not glory from men. I crave no human honor. Wow. Okay, right there. That's amazing. But he said very plainly, I don't crave what you think about me. Whatever I do, I'm not doing for your like. He said, I don't crave human honor. Next verse. Then he says this, how is it possible for you to believe? How can you learn to believe you who are content to seek and receive praise and honor and glory from one another, get one another's likes, and yet don't seek the praise and honor and glory which come from him who alone is God? It's possible to get somebody's like on something you do or something you say and not get it from God. So Jesus said, God, this praise and honor and glory, which comes from God alone. Next verse. John 7 and verse 18 says, he who speaks on his own authority seeks to win honor from himself or for himself. He whose teachings originate with himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory and is eager for the honor of him who sent him, he is true. And there's no unrighteousness or falsehood or deception in him. Everything that we read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John that is read, any of Jesus' teaching, he never constructed those teachings so that people would like him. He did it solely for the honor of God. Okay, let's go to the next verse. John 8, 50 says, However, I am not in search of honor for myself. I don't seek and am not aiming for my own glory. Then look at this last phrase. It says, There is one who looks after that. He seeks my glory, and he is the judge. What I love about this verse of Scripture is it gives something very interesting. You can seek the honor that comes from man and miss God's. But what Jesus was saying is that God does give honor. He, in his giving honor to somebody, will give them influence, will give them a place where their words carry weight. He'll lift people up and draw attention to them, but it is for his purposes and his glory. Do you see the difference? Then let's go on and look at the next verse. 
John 8, 54, Jesus answered, if I were to glorify myself, so here you have a guy that, you know, he's, he's saying, talking about the guy who brags on himself and, and you know, shows up all of, all of his things to search for honor for himself, okay? If I were to glorify myself, magnify and praise and honor myself, I would have no real glory. My glory would be nothing and worthless. That doesn't say that you wouldn't have glory. It just says it would not be real, it would be worthless, and it would be nothing. There is real glory that comes from God, real honor, real like that comes from God. Any other like is temporal. Any other uh, like Jesus said is really worthless. Now let's go on to the next one. John 12, verse 43. For they loved, he was talking about really a, a religious group of people here. He said, they loved the approval and praise and glory that comes from men instead of and more than the glory that comes from God. They have valued their credit with men more than their credit with God. In the Facebook world, every post, you know, of something you say or reporting on something you've done or some kind of a link or whatever gets rated by these likes. And so Jesus is saying that they loved the, the likes that they can get from people more than the likes that they can get from God. It is possible, as I said, to get the likes from people and sacrifice the like from God. Sometimes we can sacrifice integrity or find ourselves doing something that we wouldn't have done just to get people to like us. All right? So now let's see in John, the eighth chapter, in verse 29. Jesus said, He who sent me is ever with me. My Father has not left me alone. Look at this last phrase. It is huge. I always do what pleases Him. Always amazing in the Facebook world, you have followers, people who are able to get on onto your account and look at your account and like it or dislike it, or, or you know, uh, you are able to, they're able to see what it is that you're saying. If Jesus were on Facebook, his, he would have had, at different times in his life, he would have had, while he was here on this earth, thousands of followers. But there was one who followed Jesus and looked at everything he did and looked at everything he said, everything he posted in life and liked it. And it was his father. Sometimes his father plus thousands of people liked what Jesus did. Sometimes there were things that Jesus did and said that nobody liked except the Father. So Jesus' life actually, uh, you know, in Matthew, the, the third chapter and, and verse 17, we're not going to turn there. You can write the note if you want. But in, in this portion of Scripture, Jesus was just entering ministry, and he was baptized, and he got the greatest like that you can get. 
Uh, he came up out of the water, and when he did, there was an audible voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son, and listen to the last phrase, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus always had the love of his father, but what God was saying here about his son, he said, I am always pleased in him. And we already said, we saw from, from John 8, that he always did what pleased the father. Later on in Jesus's life, uh, further into his ministry, in the 17th chapter of Matthew, in verse 5, he was on the mountain of what we call transfiguration, and he was transfigured there. And, um, and again, there was a voice from heaven that said the same thing, a stamp of God's approval or God's divine like on his life. Was huge. But Jesus's life that we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those three years of ministry was absolutely a roller coaster of other people's likes. Sometimes Jesus got a big like, and sometimes he got a dislike. One of the greatest days for likes in Jesus's life was when he fed the people. It was all about food. Amazing, huh? I'm telling you what, he broke records for likes that day. They loved the food. They started following him. The Bible said they followed him. It was all about the food. Literally, geographically, they followed him. Miracles. We can track the miracles in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'd think that all the miracles of Jesus would have gotten him alike, and a lot of them did. He became famous over some of the things that he did and the healings that he did, but not all the time. Not everything that Jesus did to make other people free made other people like him. A lot of the things that Jesus did, for instance, on the Sabbath day, the Pharisees hated him for it because it was the wrong day. There was, there was a time when Jesus, when Jesus cast demons out of a man, talk about angels and demons, there was a man that lived in a cemetery. He was so possessed with demons, and they had to tie him down there. And, and he was masochistic. He was a cutter, and he, he hated, he'd scream out, and oh, he was just tormented. And Jesus cast 2,000 demons out of that man, and the man went from insanity to sanity like that. And you would have think that would have gotten a great big, big thumbs up, like, 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 like it didn't. The people from that man's hometown, it scared them to pieces, and they said, get out of here. We, want, we don't want you here. Interesting. But Jesus didn't do that miracle. He didn't do that work of deliverance so that the people of that hometown would give him a thumbs up. He did that work to make that man free. Aren't you glad that Jesus did what he did to please the Father? 
You'd think that resurrection would surely get a big thumbs up from everybody, big likes from everybody. Lazarus, when Lazarus was raised from the dead after being dead four days, <laughs> they wanted to kill him over that. Then Jesus' words, some of the words that Jesus said, some of the things that he taught, people loved, oh, yay, Jesus. There were other things that Jesus said they hated him for. John, the sixth chapter is a startling chapter about that. And you'd think that Jesus, while he's seeing people's faces start to get mad, if he was living for the likes, he would have changed what he was saying. He would have never finished that chapter. But he didn't, because he wasn't living for the likes of anyone else but his father. Luke, the fourth chapter. Go to Luke, the fourth chapter. This is a really interesting um, portion of scripture before we get to the verse that we're reading here. This is where Jesus stood up in the temple. He, he found the place in the scripture where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has anointed me to preach del deliverance to the captives and the opening of sight to the blind. You know, and all these wonderful, wonderful things. Well, now, it's, then it says this. He rolled up the scroll after he said that prophecy. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, sat down, and all of the eyes of, in the synagogue were looking at him. Every, he had everybody's attention. Next verse. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. In other words, he said what was prophesied by Isaiah years and years ago, I am the fulfillment of that. That was huge. Next verse. Everyone spoke what? They all gave him a like. Whoa! Yeah, we like it. We like your posts, Jesus. You said a really amazing thing. They spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be? They said, isn't this Joseph's sons? They were amazed. We're amazed with you. Then in the next few verses... Here, this is verse 22. For six verses then, Jesus begins to teach some other things and say some other things. At the end of saying that, just in six verses, look what happens. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Suddenly this went to this. <laughs> they disliked him. They took back their like. You know, in Facebook, you can take back your like. <laughs> it wasn't another day. It wasn't another week. It wasn't another setting. It was the same day in the same setting. Just a few minutes later, they went from this to this, and they disliked him. So what, what happened? Verse 28. Let's look and see. They were furious. Verse 29. Jumping up. So it's not just a casual 
thumbs down. It's big. They jumped up, mobbed him, and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built, and they intended to push him off the cliff. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> if Jesus had been living for the likes, he certainly wouldn't have painted himself into this corner. So now, think about this. The most powerful thing that God ever accomplished through Jesus when he was on the earth, we've named certain miracles and different things that Jesus did. But what was the greatest thing that God accomplished through Jesus when Jesus was on the earth? You know, it was the work of redemption. That was the greatest thing. That was the most important thing. That was the thing that was planned before the foundations of the earth. That was great to God. And do you know what? It was the most unpopular thing that Jesus did. Nobody got it. Nobody got it. His family didn't get it. His closest followers didn't get it. Nobody gave him a thumbs up. They were supportive. A few, few tiny group of people were supportive of him in it, but even the rest of his followers scattered. Peter, earlier on, when Jesus even started talking about this most important work that God would accomplish through him, took him aside and rebuked him and said, don't you even talk like that, Lord Jesus. It can't be so. You can't do that. If Jesus, listen, if Jesus was living for the likes of other people, you know what would have never happened? Our salvation. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't live for the likes? He lived only for one like. And sometimes other people joined the Father in what they appreciated about what Jesus did or said. But because Jesus was not addicted to how many people were liking what he was doing and saying, then even if nobody liked it, Except the Father, the Father's approval, the Father's honor, and the Father's like was enough for him. And this is what he models for sons of God. This is what he models for us. We don't build the security of our lives upon other people's opinion of us. Jesus didn't gauge his ministry and run his ministry on, on political polls. He wasn't a politician. After he preached or after he didn't, he did something. He didn't run to the newspapers and see how everyone accepted it. He didn't care how anybody accepted it except his father. He got, to, he got a taste of what it's like for God to smile at you. Once you've ever lived with the smile of God, you don't ever want to be without it. You want to live for his smile. So, I'd like you to go to Galatians, the first chapter. We've looked at Jesus' life and how he modeled living for the likes. Paul, the apostle, also lived his life for the approval of one. 
for the like of one. And that was the father. He says, now am I trying to win fa the favor of men or of God? Do I seek to please men? If I were still speak, if seeking popularity with men, I should not be a bondservant of Christ. In other words, he was saying, if I wanted to be popular with people, I wouldn't be an apostle. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. No way. But let me tell you what. There was a lot of popular people back in the day of, of Paul the Apostle. There were a lot of amazing people back in the day of Paul the Apostle, and none of us even talk about them. They lived and they died. Paul lived for the approval and the like of one, and we're still reading his letters. If he had sacrificed his craving for the love of, of, of and, and the like of God, we wouldn't even have in our Bible, starting from the book of Romans all the way to the, to the rest of the epistles. So thank God he did. Go to, go to the 1 Thessalonians 2 and 4 to 6. For we speak, Paul is saying this, we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God. And so basically what Paul was saying is everything I'm saying, I'm not saying it to please people. I'm saying it to please God. Not people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. So his motive in everything that he did and everything he said was to please God. Let's look at the next verse. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you know well. God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Whoa! There was nothing pretense about, about Paul at all. He was absolutely living for the honor. Let's look at the next verse. For as far as human praise, we never sought it from you or anyone else. My. Did he get it from other people? Yeah, but that's not what he lived for. He didn't live for the like of other people. He lived for the like and the stamp of approval from his father. Let's look at the next verse. Ephesians 6, 6 says, try to please them all the time. This is talking about uh, employers, people that you're working for. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you as slaves of Christ. Do the will of God with all your heart. Next verse. Work with enthusiasm as, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Next. And remember that the Lord will reward each of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. What's he saying here? He's saying that no matter what, when we're working in our jobs, we don't just do things to just win honor from people when they're looking at us. And then when they're not looking at us, that we slouch, maybe steal a couple things. <laughs> Maybe, maybe do some things that don't really help the business. He said, live in front and do whatever you do as an employee. Do it in front of God. Even when your boss isn't looking, do it right. Do it with excellence. 
finish what we're finish what you're doing because that is what honors God and that's where God is able to honor you all right very very practical then not only that uh, it says here learn learn what it is that pleases God there that we read there uh, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for when then they can't please the officer who lived for them. Sometimes there needs to be a calculation or a, a, a looking through in our life and see if we've started just doing more and bigger chunks of whatever we're doing to please people. It's good to put our lives up before the examination of God and see what he is liking. Sometimes we're doing so many things to please people that we don't have any more time to do something with our life to God. And so this says here, we want to please the Lord who, who enlisted. This is all about pleasing. And remember, when we don't do these things, his love does not fluctuate. But we want to live in such a way that pleases and honors God. Ephesians, the, the fifth chapter and verse 10 says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. That one translation that I mentioned says, learn what pleases the Lord. This is just naming a few things that please the Lord. We won't even look at it, the verses of Scripture, but all of these things are taken from Scripture. The first one is obedience, doing, doing what God says to do, but it mentions children obeying their parents is pleasing to the Lord. Living in righteousness, peace, and joy pleases the Lord. Isn't that something? When the, the next time when you have opportunity to be a big grump, be all mad and frustrated and depressed about something, and you choose instead, based upon truth that you know, to be glad in the Lord, the Bible says that pleases God. God sees it and from heaven smiles. Hallelujah. Sometimes you may be conscious of the fact that no one else is smiling, but when you respond in life in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, you know that heaven is smiling on you and you can start getting addicted to that kind of pleasure, that kind of like. Another one is faith. Faith and trusting God. God likes it when there is no other reason for you to believe his word other than he said it. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't, you can't hear it. There's no other indication that it's true except it came out of his mouth. And so you say, I believe it, and that settles it. When you do that, I'm telling you, heaven smiles. How many of you have some opportunities to please God right now? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Another one is praying for wisdom. Another one is cheerful giving. Another one is sacrificial giving and all of these different things. Whenever we give, just a little while ago, we gave in the offerings. God, God is, is blessed when we worship him. But there is, during the giving time and sacrificial giving, different people, when they gave by faith, and Tony was encouraging us to give by faith, that pleases God. 
praying for people in authority. We did that today too. The reason one of the verses of Scripture said, for this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who would have all men and come to the knowledge of the truth, be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So these are things, and there are others and there are more, but these are things that the Bible says pleases God. Today, I'd like you to look at Colossians, the first chapter, because what can we do to become more God-pleasing conscious, that we live with the consciousness of, I, I, I want to please him. Not earn his love. You don't have to do that. You got that. But what can I do to please God? Well, Colossians 1 in verse 9, we don't have 9 up here, but 9 says in a prayer to a whole church, everybody in the church, he said, I pray that you would be filled and flooded with the knowledge of God's will for your life and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And as a result of that, then the way that you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. Guys, you can pray this prayer for yourself. God, help me to know your will so that I can do it. And in doing it, I can be pleasing to you. Now, another verse of scripture that you can pray. These are things you can pray. Look at Psalms 19 and verse 14. And read this one with me, please. Read this together with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Sometimes there are things that we're thinking or things that we're saying that we've just thought and said for maybe years. And it's not pleasing. Sometimes there's ways that we're talking about ourselves, the way we're talking about other people, the way that we're talking about different situations in our life that aren't pleasing to God. It might be the way that other people like it, and it's just the way that they do. But does God like it? This prayer is a way that we offer up what we do, and we say, help whatever I do or say, just like Jesus, be pleasing. I want your like. Hallelujah. Jesus lived for the like of the Father. And aren't you thankful that he did? On his most unpopular day, the day of the cross, God liked him and as a result gave him a name that is above every name. You talk about honor. You talk about glory. You talk about fame. Jesus got it, not by looking for the like of other people, but by looking for the like of one. And that honor and that glory is real, and it lasts forever. Praise the Lord. And so will what happens in our own life. Tony gave a verse of scripture this last week, and, and uh, boy, it just seemed right to talk about it again and end with this today. 
in Philippians, the second chapter, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. In talking about pleasing him and looking at the things that do please him, sometimes, uh, you know, we can just get self-conscious. I've got to do, I've got to be more pleasing. Guys, listen, even in coming to know the things that are pleasing to him, you have to know that God himself is on the inside of us, giving us the very desire to be pleasing. If any of us in here today have any desire to please God, it came from God himself. God is at work in me. God is at work in you. So that what he wants what he desires and what he can honor in your life will be what you start desiring and wanting so that we can live for the life and the like of one, and that is Jesus. I thought of an old song um, last night. Remember this one? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sing it again with me. I turn my eyes upon Jesus. I look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace sing again as a prayer I turn my eyes upon Jesus. I look full in your wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strange. In the light of his glory and grace. And the likes of every one around me, what their opinion is of me, it just starts going dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at churchatrhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.